This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 366, and today we are talking about books being released on June 14th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Vanessa, hello! Hi, friend! How's it going? Good, like we didn't just talk for 30 minutes. I know! <laughs> I always love this part. We have to keep the magic alive, I know. you know? No, it's just <laughs> men in black, you know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we get all our complaining out of the way before we start recording. Yes. Our various medical malady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm actually feeling really good. You sound good. This is like my first like full, like really good week. Although yesterday I didn't feel very good because I think I did so much this week because I was feeling better. And so it was inevitable that I kind of crashed. So I've just been like hanging out in my office and looking at all the different wildlife. My husband has done like an amazing job with our yard and we have like more bird baths and more plants and there's just all kinds of birds this year that I've never seen before. And like I've turned into this like old bird nerd lady where I just like write down every <laughs> bird that I see and like how many and keeping like track of them every day and writing down the weather. It's really fun. But I mean, it's just so exciting. It's funny because like as a kid, like we lived like right on the edge of the woods and there were tons of birds and all kinds of nature and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was never really interested in the birds. I was like, Neither birds, was I. meh. Now I watch birds and I'm completely fascinated by them, you know? Yep. Because like when I think about animals, I'm like, oh, it'd be fun to be like a cat or, you know, something like that. But now I'm like, I want to be a bird. Because like you see cats and cats are like, I'm going to go from here. And I'm going to go over there. To here. You know, but like birds are like, hey, want to go up there? Let's go sit up there. Hey, How hey, about over hey, here? Hey. And I'm like, wow, that's yeah. so cool. They can go anywhere that they want. They're like, I'm just going to sit up here. And they're just pr- like, I don't know if part of this is because of where I moved. I was, you know, now live in the Pacific Northwest. But as it is, like, I'm just amazed that I didn't know flowers were this flowery, like right. so pretty and colorful because it's just not like the type of, you know, uh, whatever, like landscape topography that I had back in California. But yeah, I'll see like a bird that's got, you know, purple and blue and these colors that just look wow they're so vivid and that just exists in nature and then yeah that little bird's gonna go and stand on top of that tree and then it's gonna hop on the car and i don't know it's i too am like newly appreciative of nature in my 30s really into birds now (laughs) that's great i'm really into birds now yeah which has been great because You know, one of the, you know, one of the long COVID symptoms is, you know, inability to concentrate and, you know, m- mental confusion. And, and I feel like I have those things. And so I've been reading, but it hasn't been as easy for me, which is kind of sad. So I take lots of breaks and like look out the window at the birds. That's nice. I like that for you, period. Yeah, it's fun. Let's see what else is going on. Um, it's finals. The Celtics are still in it. Of course they are. They're the, one of the last teams. <laughs> if they weren't still in it, they, it would be over. I like. I was like, yep, that's how finals work. <laughs> I'm new to basketball. New to basketball and birds. <laughs> I heart you. <laughs> and, yep, still in it. <laughs> yeah, I have lots of books to talk about today that I'm excited about. You have lots of books. I just found out before we started recording that I made my notes yesterday, and then one of the books that I chose got moved to September between yesterday morning and when we started recording today. I was like, ah, and I said, I said a bad word. I was going to say, I actually haven't technically checked for 48 hours, so let's just hope that I'm correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is what it is, but they're still getting moved a lot. But while you're checking on your dates, I do want to remind you that Book Riot is hiring a digital marketing manager. You can see the position at bookriot.com slash join dash us. It's a remote position. We have the job listing jurisdictions on the website when you go to check it out. And we want to remind you that we are an equal opportunity employer and especially are looking for applications from individuals from marginalized communities. So you can go to bookriot.com slash join dash us if you would like to apply to be the digital marketing manager. And that's exciting. It is. And so before I tell you about books now, we're going to hear from our first sponsor. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary, you know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. All right. So sometimes, like, I keep this giant, like, master file of titles. You know, it has, like, four or 5,000 titles going at all times, you know, like, for the dates and all the stuff. And I check it. And sometimes I go looking for a title and I'll highlight it to copy it, to put it somewhere else, you know, to look it up in, like, you know, IndieBound or whatever. And occasionally I'll accidentally, like, open that document again and hit a button. And so, you know, like, if you highlight something and, like, you hit X, like, it turns to X, you know, or, like, you, yep. you hit. So I'll erase them. So... I somehow managed to erase this book and just remembered it yesterday. Like, when does that book come out? <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, for the show this week. And I am so excited that I remembered it because it is one of my favorite books of the year. It's called One's Company by Ashley Hudson. It is a debut novel. It is a paperback original, which uh, someone reached out to me on Instagram and said, you know, you keep saying those words, but what do they actually mean? And I was like, oh, right, I've never actually explained it. Um, a paperback original just means that it did not have a hardcover version when it came out. You know, there are various reasons that publishers put books out in paperback instead of hardcover first. And this is one of them. So it's being compared to Otessa Moshfeg and Mona Awad and... I love one of those authors and not the other. I'm not going to say which one, but so I was like 50-50 shot when I read this, you know, and I loved it. And I have to say, it's one of those books that I read and was like, I love this book so much and I don't really know what that says about me because it's very, very, very dark, very dark, darkly humorous and fantastic, but very dark. It's the story of one woman's trauma winning the lottery, and Three's Company, the television show. It's about a young woman named Bonnie Lincoln. She has had a pretty rough life. Um, she's not very well off. She's, had, uh, she's lost parents. She has a best friend named Crystal, and she has grown very close with Crystal's parents. And they're kind of best friends, and they talk about plans, and, and she loves watching Three's Company. And then a horrific crime happens, and there's horrible tragedy. And now Bonnie is adrift, and she doesn't know what to do. And she's kind of not dealing with what's happened. And then she wins the biggest U.S. lottery payout in the history of the lottery. Just millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And so Bonnie takes her winnings and she hires builders to construct a full-size reproduction of the sets from Three's Company. Now, if you don't know Three's <laughs> Company... It was a TV show in the late 70s, early 80s, starring Jack Ritter, Suzanne Summers, and Joyce DeWitt about these three roommates. If you watch it now, it is wildly problematic. And, you know, but it is what it is. This took place in the 70s. Um, so she has them build 
their apartment set, uh, Janet's flower shop, the Regal Bagel pub, just like hits all of these locations that were used in the television show. And this is all being done in a very remote secret mountain location. And like the people who are building these sets, like they're like researching the television shows to get, because Bonnie wants everything to be exactly like it was. And if it, if you can't find it, you got to make it look exactly like it was. And like the people who are creating these sets, they have to sign NDAs. Like nobody's allowed to talk about what she's doing or where it is. You know, it's like high tech stuff, you know, and like there's security all around, but even like with security, like she's in the middle of nowhere. So like who would really come looking for it, you know? So eventually they finish building her, her dream place, you know, her threes company world. And Bonnie is excited because she's now going to live out her happiest memories of, of watching Three's Company and spending time with these characters that made her so happy. And, and she can get up and be whichever character she wants to be for that day. She can go, you know, hang out. She could be Janet and go to Janet's flower shop and do Janet things. And then the next day, you know, she could be one of the ropers, you know, the landlords. Like she could, she, this is what she wants, you know. But a couple of things happen as this goes along. You know, word gets out, you know, NDAs, but still, like, Word starts to get out. I can't remember exactly how some, like, hikers maybe stumble upon it. I read this so long ago. People find out about this place. And now Instagrammers are showing up outside the gates and, like, taking pictures. And people are talking about it. And they're like, you know, what is this place? And, you know, it's, it's getting onto the internet. And also, it's that thing where wherever you go, there you are. You cannot escape yourself. And so Bonnie, while she has her dream place, she has so much unresolved trauma and it's beginning to wear her down. This book is wildly original and clever and stunningly sad. It is an excellent look at trauma and loneliness and at American culture and excess. And it's almost like a religious experience for Bonnie. You know, she builds this place, you know, kind of in search of answers. Like if she builds this place, she'll go there and she'll feel better and she'll get all the answers that she needed because, you know, senseless trauma. And it's just, it's so, so good. Like I said, it is very dark. So I do want to give content warnings for sexual assault, misogyny, suicide, death of a loved one, mental illness, trauma, and PTSD, animal death, violence, and murder. It is called One's Company. and It is by Ashley Hudson. I totally knew there was a book coming out that had this, like, Three's Company tie-in, and I would have been so extremely wrong had someone asked me to describe Like, I did not know that it had, like, a dark, like, at all. Like, I was I was on mute for most of that, but just had this face, like, oh, I was very wrong about what that book is about. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, I saw a quick thing about it, I think, like, in the deals, you know, when it when it first went up, and it was, like, you know, a young woman who recre- recreates a Three's Company set in a remote lo- mountain location, and I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. You're like, fun and frolicsome and it's <laughs> but it's so good but i mean it's getting amazing reviews like it's not like I, oh, i'm like good. this book was so sad and so many terrible bad things happened but i loved it so much like what why why but it, it's just so good it, it, i love it oh uh, that's awesome i'm glad i'm glad but yeah i was i would have been very wrong <laughs> i'm glad to, <laughs> to know what it's actually about now <laughs> All right, so I'll tell us about my first pick, which um, while Liberty talked, I did absolutely look up the dates for all these, and thankfully all of them are fine, and one of them actually came out last week, and that's this one uh, right here that I'm about to tell you, and that is The Woman in the Library by Solari Gentle. So this is sort of a meta, like, nesting doll, mystery within a mystery situation. The book opens with a letter from a guy named Leo, and we quickly figure out that it's the letter is to an author named Hannah, Hannah Tygon, Tygon? We quickly learn that Leo is also a writer and that he and Hannah have had a correspondence for some time. So he's basically a, a beta reader. And he reveals that he's working on a novel himself and that he regrets not having been able to meet Hannah when she was in New York recently because she is Australian. And so she you know, normally lives in, in Australia, in Sydney. So he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get to meet you at your event, but I hope I get to soon. So that's the letter. That's like the, again, like the opening kind of chapter. And then in the next scene... We meet Winifred Kincaid, who goes by Freddie, and she is sitting in the Boston Library where she's working on her book. She sits down at a table and just like trying to find some focus, is having some a hard time, and then she she sits at this table where there's three other people seated, and she begins to sort of jot down notes describing each of them as she observes them and like what they're wearing and who they are, and assigns them nicknames based on their appearances, thinking like maybe she'll use them as inspiration for her book. So there is Freud Girl, who is a young tattooed woman who's reading you guessed it freud and um, there's heroic chin who's this like 
classically good-looking dude with a strong jaw and you know broad shoulders and a cleft in his chin and he's wearing a harvard sweatshirt has a rolex on and then another guy who is still young but not like quite so boyishly who she calls handsome man he's a total smoke show and she's like very interested kind of from the get so she's imagining scenarios that could maybe combine these characters when suddenly this scream rips through the silence of the library so the security guards you know come in and take charge they tell everyone you know don't move until they can sort of suss out the you know source of the scream and what's going on. So while everybody's just sort of waiting there for the all clear, people start chatting amongst themselves. And so Hannah and, um, not Hannah, pardon me, uh, Winnie, Winnie, Freddie, I know the names of these characters. <laughs> she uh, starts to talk to those three people and now these four strangers kind of become friends. So we learn that Freud girl's real name is Marigold. She's 23. She's a psychology major at Harvard. The heroic chin character's name is Wit Metters. He's sort of a like purposely failing law student at Harvard Law. He's the son of rich lawyer parents and he doesn't like really want to join the family firm, but they're kind of strong arming him into doing so. And then that handsome man's name is Kane McLeod. He is like 30, I think, and he's also a fiction writer, just like Freddie is. He's a published author with some kind of mystery to him. So again, introductions are being made. The security guards tell them, you know, okay, fine, we've checked out what's going on and like you can go. And then the last line of this paragraph, which is told from the perspective of uh, Freddie is, and then I have my first coffee with a killer. And so everything you just heard that whole Freddy storyline, it's actually the opening chapter of Hannah's latest book. So Hannah, again, is the person that that Leo letter is being written to. So Hannah is like, in theory, you know, quote unquote, real author. And then that whole Freddy chapter is the first chapter of Hannah's book. And it's a book that she's sort of sending piecemeal to Leo for him to read, you know, as a beta reader, because she can't travel to Boston because the book takes place during the pandemic. So because of travel restrictions, she's stuck in Sydney and she's sort of using him as her, you know, on the ground researcher for certain things about like American phrases and like what the Boston library looks like and, you know, stuff like that. And then the stories begin to sort of collide. They're told in alternating. So you get like another letter from Leo to Hannah and then you get another chump chapter in this book. And then you'll get Leo, you can tell, having re- read that chapter and then is like writing to Hannah with like his feedback. And they those two storylines just, you know, start to converge. And I kind of don't want to say anything more than that. So you can, you know, get that reveal for yourself. It was really fun. It's definitely wasn't what I was expecting with a, like the woman in the library. I think I I actually went in knowing pretty much nothing about the book, so I was expecting maybe something a little more in the cozy vein, and that's not what this is. It's just fun. I def I didn't guess the killer. I don't often because I try not to do so so much, so I can just kind of have fun. But it was like really well crafted, and I liked that kind of meta element. The letters to Hannah sort of reveal. I don't know. They they create some I think nice commentary about what the mystery genre is and what it's come to represent, what thrillers have come to be, the way that we collectively as a society, like our obsession with violence against women. So I do want to give some trigger warnings. They're not uh, graphic descriptions, but there is mentions, there are mentions of sexual assault, violence, and uh, murder, duh. But it was really fun. I enjoyed it. I actually did this one on audio and had a really great time with it. So that again is The Woman in the Library by Solari Gentle, and that came out last week on the 7th, so it's available now. All right. So my next pick for today is actually a paperback version, version, edition. Words are hard. Uh, It is Sky (laughs) Falling by Mia McKenzie, which is out in paperback today. I was late to this book. I got to it a few months after its release, and I loved it so, so much. It ended up being like one of the best books I read last year, so I had to mention it today. It's about a woman named Sky. She is a queer black woman in her late 30s. She runs a travel company. She's booking trips for people and leading tours. And she's like living out of her suitcase. She's never really settled down since she left home. She's just sort of a kind of a way to avoid everything. She just, you know, she has no complicated relationships. She's never set down roots. She just gets to travel and have fun and just always think about the fun things in life. Uh, you know, she has one night stands, which she does when she stops at her hometown of Philadelphia briefly. She wakes up, you know, in the morning, she's ha- uh, from a one night stand and this is just her life, you know, but she goes out into her neighborhood and she realizes like everything is different now in Philadelphia. The places of her childhood are gone. The neighborhoods have changed. People have moved. Things are different. And she's kind of, you know, feeling a little glum. And then... She ends up meeting a 12-year-old girl named Vicky. And Vicky tells Skye that she is the product of Skye's eggs. When Skye was 26, she was broke and desperately in need of money. 
So she sold her eggs for money. And now, tw- you know, 12 years later, she meets this girl. And it turns out that Vicky's mother has recently died. And now Vicky is being raised by her aunt, Faye. And Skye, you know, in the midst of being shocked by meeting this child, she meets uh, Vicky's aunt, Faye, who turns out to be a woman that Skye attempted to pick up earlier and was shot down, and now things are very awkward. And also, you know, this woman is like, why are you talking to this child? Like, why are you hanging out with this child? And so, they, you know, they discuss her relationship to, to Vicky. And Sky realizes, like, I'm in a different place in my life now. You know, I'm not that 26-year-old who sold my eggs. I'm not, you know, somebody who's running away from everything. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think I want to get to know this kid. She decides that she wants to have a meaningful connection with Vicky. Um, you know, her brother is is there in town, but she's not close to her brother. She basically dodges calls. Her mother is unwell. She's trying to work up a visit to go see her. But, you know, there's a lot of history with her mother. And so she's like, I'm going to, you know, hang out with this funny kid. And also, I'm kind of falling for her aunt. So I want her to like me back. I want to win her over. And there's also like a side story involving a church in the town uh, that's having a lot of problems with the local police. And they're they're trying to save the church. This book is so wonderful. It's funny. So funny. Like, funny is so hard in novels, I think. And it's so funny. Sky is just amazing. And it's very sweet. And it's, and it's sad. Like, Sky has had a pretty terrible childhood. And she's been running from it ever since. You know, which a lot of people do. And she's so real. And she's complicated. And she's messy. And she melts off when she shouldn't, and she makes corny jokes, and, you know, that's, you know, she disguises everything with humor, you know, which is a defense mechanism that a lot of people will recognize, and she's just so great. I loved it so much. I really would like to see this on the big screen or a TV series. I just love Sky so much. I do want to give content warnings for racism, police violence, illness, death of a loved one, child abuse, and infidelity. This is Sky Falling, Sky, S-K-Y-E by Mia McKenzie. The whole time you were talking, I was like, that would be a really good adaptation. And then you said it at the end. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) I can't wait to read that one. I have that on my list. Uh, Speaking of funny, I love my next pick because it's funny. And it's, well, it's a lot of things, but it's also very funny. Um, And that is A Mirror Mended by Alex E. Harrow. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about, it's actually the second in the series. You may have heard of it. It's the Fractured Fables series. The first one was, oh my gosh, A Spindle Splintered, which is a twist on Sleeping Beauty. And I do think you probably should read that one first just because of some character continuity stuff. And in that first one is where we first meet Zinnia Gray. And in that book, she's on the eve of her 21st birthday, which is supposed to be her last birthday. Because due to an industrial accident, she has a rare condition. Like her her mom drank tainted water while she was pregnant with Zinnia. And so then Zinnia was born with this rare condition that uh, not much is known about it. It's called like Roseland Malady. So I cannot even remember the name of it right now. But... Uh, it's a condition that folks don't know a lot about. It does occasionally cause her to be just like super, super, like, she has like no energy and she, she'll have to like sleep it off. And it's, I'm making it sound not serious, but it is. And the biggest thing about this condition is that in theory, uh, like none of the patients who've ever had it have ever lived to be older than 21. So they're like, everybody's sort of just accepted that this is her last birthday. So it's sad, but again, it's a thing that she's sort of accepted. And her bestie is determined to make what is, in theory, her last birthday special by recreating a Sleeping Beauty experience. Because she's often kind of related to the like story in that she's this maiden who's sort of resigned to her fate and is often, you know, bedridden. Uh, so she makes her this party or throws her this party complete with, you know, tower. Like they, she throws her the party in an abandoned penitentiary tower and even has decorations like a fake spindle. But the problem is that Zin pricks her finger on that spindle, haha, and she's transported to an alternate world in like ye olde times in the world of Sleeping Beauty. And she meets this princess named Primrose, who is reluctant to accept her fate that she's about to be married off. Stuff ensues. It's a really, really fun, fun story. So it's a ride, super quick. So now this book is, again, the second in this fabled uh, Fractured Fable series. It takes place five years after the end of the last book. And so at this point, Zinnia is basically still has this terminal illness, but she's a, basically a professional fairy tale fixer. <laughs> and she's rescued many a damsel and burned many a spindle. And she's actually starting to feel sort of fed up with the gig. It's getting kind of old. 
So she's just finished her 49th save and she's glancing into a hand mirror and sees not only her face, but another face looking back at her. It's this strikingly gorgeous face. And it's also the face of the evil queen from Snow White. So that queen reaches out of the mirror, pulls Xenia into now Snow White's world. She's in a different fairy tale universe. And she may not be a you know pretty princess in distress, but she does want Xenia's help in evading the grisly end that she knows is coming for her as it does you know come for all like fairy tale villains so the question here is whether zinnia should accept like the queen's request and save them both from you know that hot iron shoe fate (laughs) or will she choose another path there's some complications with her illness that make this decision kind of even more complex and fraught and also there's the fact that she and this queen have chemistry and so there's that so I, I love what Alex Harrow is doing with these books. They're just so fun. Um, the, there's obviously they're queer. The, the first one was queer. So it's this one. The chemistry again between the queen and Zinnia is really, really just lovely to read. And it's so funny. It's packed with like pop cultural references that I think some folks I've read like maybe find mildly annoying. I find that it's very fitting for like her age group and, and the, just the, the overall theme and vibe of these stories. I think it works really well. But yeah, they're funny. Like, I, I find them a really good time. And they're quick. They're, you know, one sitting reads if you uh, are so inclined. So a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what else she does because I love a good retelling. Uh, and these are kind of subversive and very, very feminist. Uh, plus, again, queer and just a, a good time. <laughs> so that was fun. That's A Mirror Mended by Alex E. Harrow. All right. I have to read that one. I read the first one. It was a great time. Yeah, they're so fun. I love Harrow's books. Me too. I, I love everything she writes. Yeah, so great. So those are books that we have read. And now we're going to talk about more of today's releases that we're excited about but haven't necessarily read. And I am going to kick it off with Flying Solo by Linda Holmes. This is a kind of follow-up to Every Drake Starts Over, which was Linda Holmes's first novel, which I loved. Uh, they're set in Maine. You don't have to have read the first one. Like, they mentioned briefly the two characters. Like, oh, here's what they're doing right now. But, so, like, minor spoilers for Evie Drake. But you don't have to have read it to, to read this one. I know this because I started it this morning. Like, I got, like, about 100 pages into it, I think, before we had to stop and record. And it's so fun. It's about a woman named Lori Sasselin. She is 40 years old, and she has returned from Seattle, where she is living, to her hometown in Maine to handle the estate of her great-aunt Dot. She had died the previous November, and nobody in Lori's family really had the time or really wanted to deal with Dot, who had a lot of stuff. And so they've left her house until Lori could get out there, and now she's cleaning it out. And Lori had the best relationship with her great-aunt Dot. You know, she was always there for her when Lori needed to get away from her house because she had a very loud house with her parents and her four brothers, and she would go hang out with Dot, who was, like, super cool. You know, so now Lori's back in town, and she has recently called off a wedding just, like, a few weeks before it was supposed to happen, and everyone in town already knows it somehow, you know, small-town gossip. And they've hired a company to come clean Dot's house, basically... Lori goes through and she decides, like, what she wants to keep. And then this company comes in and tells her, you know, what's worth stuff. And, you know, they share the profits or, like, if nothing is worth anything, they just take it and clean it out. And so she meets this, like, handsome guy who comes to do that. But while she's looking around before they start cleaning it out, she is going through a box of blankets and she finds a wooden duck. like Like a hunting decoy duck. And she's like, why is this buried in this box of blankets. Like, everything else that Dot has. Dot was very adventurous. She never married. She had no children. She traveled all the time. She has stuff everywhere from all of her trips, you know, just boxes and boxes of postcards and just stuff everywhere. So, like, why is this one particular wooden duck hidden at the bottom of this box? So, Lori decides that she wants to keep the duck. She's like, this must have meant something to her. Uh, And indeed... A little while later, she finds these boxes of love letters because Dot had many relationships over the years. And she's like, I'm not going to read these. But then she kind of looks at one anyway. And there's like a reference to ducks in the letter. And she's like, is it related somehow? So while she's wondering about the duck, she goes to the library where she reconnects with her high school boyfriend. So like maybe something's happening there. Uh, And that's where I left off a little bit after that. But from the description, I know someone is going to steal the duck. Who steals the duck? Duck stealer. I have no idea. I'm going to keep reading this book after we finish recording today. But Linda Holmes is so 
funny. If you're not familiar with her, she's one of the hosts of the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast, which is really, really great. Uh, oh. And she's so great at dialogue. And this book is just so charming. Like, if you want something nice and charming. So far, that's exactly what it is. And I'm loving it. So this is Flying Solo by Linda Holmes. I was <laughs> downloading the audiobook of that uh, as you were talking and then was like <laughs> starting to read the description. Cause like, ooh, this sounds good. I'm like, or you could just listen to Liberty Talk. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> I hit my head a lot. <laughs> no, I was in my head. I was like, you said it and it sounded interesting. So I went to download. Like, oh, I got to download this now. And then instead of just like listening to the rest of what you were saying, I was starting to read. I was like, hey, maybe you should just stop and listen. And I did. And you've sold me. <laughs> well, what was but. fun for me is that, you know, a lot of the times I just read books because I know, like, I, I like the author, or, you know, I yep. know it's something that people are excited about, so I don't read descriptions, so I just picked it up this morning, and I started reading it, and so then when I had to finish the notes for the show, I was like, someone steals the duck! Yep, I love it, like, duck stealer! It was a surprise to me, too. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm like, I gotta finish this show, because yeah. I have to find out who steals the duck. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to do the same thing. <laughs> now, I've heard from so many people that it's really good, so I'll, I'll be doing that. <laughs> All right, so let me tell you about my next pick. This is one I have not read, but that I'm very interested in, and that is Who is Wellness For? by Faria Roshin. So Faria Roshin is an activist and a poet and a writer, and so she's put this book out that I felt like was yelling at me <laughs> when I saw it. I am like a low-grade wellness enthusiast. I'm not like full goop or anything, but I... I love me some yoga. I love Pilates. I do a lot of meditation. I love an adaptogen in my tea. Like just several years ago when my health was not great, I kind of just looked at ways to try things that like weren't going to hurt. And so for those reasons alone and for helping me feel more like centered and connected and, you know, that kind of, I, I do a lot of that stuff, but I'm always very drawn to stuff that's in the wellness industry while also trying to keep a keen eye on to what parts of it are maybe not so great. And this book gets to the white hot center of that from the little bit that I've read. It basically is an exploration as you know, the, the copy puts it of the commodification and appropriation of wellness through the lens of social justice. And I'm very interested in that because I mean, the last couple of years, we've had some more complex conversations about cultural appropriation and racism in a wellness space and like yoga in and of itself, for example, is a thing that's been really, 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 really whitewashed and commodified, but is, you know, a practice that's rooted in South Asian culture, like has nothing to do with like the Gwyneth Paltrow's of the world. And so much of that kind of self-care space is, yeah, very, can be very racist. And then again, is so deeply commodified now that like, what does self-care really mean? That has gotten for me at least very distorted to mean a lot of things that like may not necessarily qualify as self-care or like maybe they do, but they've got this, you know, capitalist price tag attached as, as most things do. So again, I'm not, I'm, I'm maybe like 15 pages into this at most, but I'm just really interested to explore ways that the the book, you know, says it's a resource for how to like authentically participate in wellness and self-care regardless of race or identity or socioeconomic status. And that's important to me because, like I said, I still know that when I show up to some of these types of classes and spaces, there's still a long way to go. So I'm interested to read a book, you know, by an actual brown woman who's like, hey, this is this is what it is and what it isn't. And I'm I hope to learn from it. So again, that's one that I'm excited about. It's called Who is Wellness For by Faria Roshin. All right. Before I tell you about my next pick, we're going to listen to another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into the light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> 
Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. All right. So my other pick for today is Hurricane Girl by Marcy Dermansky, who I love. And I'm very sad that I did not get to this one yet, but I will shortly. She is the author of Bad Marie, The Red Car. Very nice. This one is about... A woman in her early 30s named Allison Brody, uh, she has just arrived on the East Coast. She had a relationship with a movie producer in California, and apparently it was a very violent uh, relationship. And so she has fled and to the East Coast, and she buys a house on the beach and starts working as a waitress. And But then a Category 3 hurricane shows up and destroys all that she has just created like, in her new life. And apparently some of this has to do now with her having a massive head wound after this hurricane. And she makes friends with a strange cameraman. But, like, it was it the hurricane that caused this? Or did someone else cause it? And her books are so, like, almost eccentric. The characters are, they don't do the normal things that people do every day. And they're always so clever and wry. So, you know, what is going to happen to this woman? I, I have no idea. But apparently, the last sentence says, you know, she's she's going to do all this stuff while celebrating the true joy that can be found in a great swim and a good turkey sandwich. So, I just love everything that Marcy Dramansky does. This one is called Hurricane Girl. I feel like I may have that somewhere, but I'm not sure. It's <laughs> a great cover. Very bright. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly. I was like staring at my bookshelves like, do I have it? I, I know what that cover looks like. I don't know anymore. Okay, so I will tell you about my last pick, which is one that I had not... So I I have talked about it technically, but I had not finished it by a landslide. I think I'd only gotten like part of it into it when I talked about this like a year ago. And now I have. And so I'm going to tell you about it again because I just really, really like it. And it's out in paperback now. And that is Mrs. March by Virginia Faithdell. So again, I talked about it last year, but the more I reflect on it, the more I like it. It's kind of stayed with me and sort of lurked in the back of my consciousness. It's just a really great book that it's I sometimes find hard to sell and describe but you know here goes <laughs> so Mrs. March is the titular character she is the wife of George March who's a writer whose latest novel is kind of a big deal it's making a bit of a splash so Mrs. March is you know very proud of her husband and she plays the role of dutiful wife to perfection and she's sort of that stereotype of like an upper east side wife she's really obsessed with propriety and decorum and routine and appearances she's very very put together so one of her routines is she has does this very regular trip to her favorite patisserie where she always orders the same thing so she's there she's you know waiting in line she places her order with the shopkeeper and she's getting some extra stuff this time because she's about to throw a party for her husband's book release and as she's talking to that shopkeeper about this the shopkeeper makes kind of like an offhand comment of like oh what must it be like for you to you know be the like the inspiration behind the main character to like to have that main character, you know, based on you for this new book. And she, no likey, <laughs> the main character, at least according to her, to Mrs. March, is this awful woman. Her name is Joanna. She is a sex worker. No shame, you know, on our part, but she's judging her from the perspective of this character. She finds the character to be really annoying and unlikable and sort of reprehensible. And so she's real ticked off at the insinuation that, you know, this character is her or that she's inspired her in any way. And she gets frazzled and sort of confronts the shopkeeper who tries to backpedal like real awkwardly, you know, Homer in the bushes and be like, oh, no, no, it's just your mannerisms. <laughs> and so she leaves in a huff. 
She rushes back to the apartment and she just spins out. She is supposed to be throwing this party in just, you know, a couple of hours, but she starts rifling through her husband's things and she's reading, like rereading passages from this finished copy of the book. And she gets so heated while doing so that she rips the book to absolute shreds and then takes off her pantyhose and like shoves all the shredded pieces in there to like go throw them away and hide the evidence. Again, she's she's not really in her her best place. And as the book progresses, you know, the party takes place, etc. But we're just slowly watching her devolve into this really increasingly delusional space where she becomes convinced that there's more to this book than she originally noticed, that her husband may have been involved in the murder of a young woman who was, you know, all over like the headlines a while ago. And she's trying to basically prove that she's right as she devolves further into this paranoia and jealousy. I think I said last time that it was giving me sort of that same uneasy, creepy feel as like a high, you know, Patricia Highsmith or Shirley Jackson. And I, I stand by that. And I, I actually, a friend of mine recently read this and unprompted gave me that same bit of, of info. It's just like the ending is very dizzying. I, I kind of knew that it was maybe going in this direction, but not quite. It's just one that, yeah, kind of like a lot of Shirley Jackson's books in particular, where I was just like, something's not right. Something's not right. Oh, something's really not right. But it was so much fun to read. Again, a little on the darker side, but but great. It's been a bit since I finished it, so I don't remember trigger warnings other than, again, like in theory, there's the discussions of the the murder of that young woman, but I don't believe they were very graphic. Um, so you may want to look some of that stuff up. But just such a great book that I don't feel like got enough shine, but that has, yeah, just sort of stayed and, and nibbled at my brain. That is Mrs. March by Virginia Faith, though. All right. So those are some books that we're excited about that we haven't read. And now it is time for the very exciting paperback lightning round. Ta-da. I'm going to tell you a few things about some books, uh, some of them that we have discussed on the show before. And I'm going to kick it off. I was going to say Mrs. March, but you talked about it, which is also yes. a book that I loved and don't remember the trigger warnings. And it's going to be a movie with Elizabeth Moss, which is very Oh my gosh, I did not know that. Yes, (gasps) I think a movie. Might be a TV show, but I think it's going to be a movie. And she's so perfect for it. What a perfect casting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to kick it off with some hardcovers that are out in paperback today, starting with Island Queen by Vanessa Riley. Uh, This is based on the true life story of Dorothy Kirwan Thomas, who was a free black woman who rose from slavery to become one of the wealthiest and most powerful landowners in the colonial West Indies. That's basically me quoting from the blurb, Um, but it's so succinct I had to use it. Uh, There's The Jigsaw Man by Nadine Matheson, which I discussed on the March 16th show, if you want to hear more about it. It's about a woman, Detective Inspector Angelica Henley, who has just started back at work after leave. Like, it's literally her first day when she gets a call and they found a body in the river cut into pieces. But, oh, actually, it's the pieces of several different people. And this is all very bad. And also bad because it is the hallmark work of a notorious serial killer who she caught and jailed. So if he's in jail, how is this happening? The Book of Form and Emptiness by Ruth Ozeki, which I talked about on the September 21st show. This was long listed for the Women's Prize for Fiction. It's about a 13-year-old boy whose father dies, and now he's living alone with his mother, who is a hoarder, and he starts hearing objects around him talking to him in the voice of his father, and soon not just at home, but all around, and he ends up making some unusual friends at the library. All Together Now by Matthew Norman... He gets better with every novel. He's very funny, if you like funny. This one is about a reclusive billionaire who finds out that he is dying, so he brings together some friends and family uh, who he thinks he can change their lives by giving money and doing things for them before he dies. And he's going to learn some stuff about himself, and he's going to learn some things about them that he didn't know. The Very Nice Box by Eve Gleichman and Laura Blackett, which I talked about on the July 6th show. This is a book that I loved that I felt needed a lot more attention last year. It's about a woman who has recently lost her girlfriend. Her girlfriend was killed in an accident. Uh, And this woman works at an Ikea-type company where she is working to build the perfect box, the perfect storage box. Uh, And she grows close to the new manager at the company. 
The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix, which we talked about on the July 13th yeah. show, which I think you talked about, Vanessa. Yeah. Which is about yeah. a support group for victims of serial killers who have survived. And it's a very secretive group, but somehow someone finds out who they are and where they live and bad things are going to happen. There's also a reissue of his novel, We Sold Our Souls, out today. I'm not entirely certain why. It has a new cover. Hmm. I loved the old cover, which was made to look like a Rolling Stone cover, which is really great. The new cover is also very cool, um, but I could not find out why exactly it's being reissued. Hmm. But but that's yeah. coming out. Uh, Midnight Water City by Chris McKinney. This one is set in 2142, and the Earth is 40 years out from a near collision with an asteroid. And the scientist who predicted this and saved the world and has been lauded and called a hero, uh, reaches out to a former security guard, now police detective, because she feels that she is in danger. And indeed, before he can get to her, she is murdered. And now he needs to figure out who did it. No spoilers there. That's all right in the description. We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang. This one was a huge runaway hit last year. It's about a young woman who sheepishly returns to her family home after she wakes up in the hospital from a drunk driving accident that she caused. And she's going to go back and sort of reconnect with her family and try and save their uh, drowning bar business. And lots of things are going to happen. Basically, I could say that about every book. But I guess I guess I just said it there. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> lots of things are gonna happen. <laughs> this is a book that I have that I haven't read yet, but I keep meaning to get to it. Is We Two Alone Stories by Jack Wong? Uh, the description says it is set stories set on five continents and spanning decades, tracing the arc and evolution of the Chinese immigrant experience. The Woman in the Purple Skirt by Natsuko Imamura and translated by Lucy North, which is about surprise, the Woman in the Purple Skirt who sits on the park bench every day and is observed by the woman in the yellow sweater. And she's eventually going to reach out to the woman in the purple skirt. And like I said before, things are going to happen. Uh, <laughs> and a couple of nonfictions to shout out. She Memes Well, Essays by Quinta Brunson. Yes. This was discussed on the June 15th show. This is a collection of humorous essays about Brunson's work as an actor and a writer and her life. But now you might also recognize her name because she is the creator of Abbott Elementary, Abbott which is Elementary. just one of the greatest shows. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I was very sad that they only had 12 episodes. Me too. You know, everyone on the show is so great, but Cheryl Lee Ralph oh, is a yes. national treasure. She really She's is. She's just the best. Oh my gosh. So I can't wait for the second season. Everything I Have is Yours, A Marriage by Eleanor Henderson. Eleanor Henderson is the novel, is the author, excuse me, of the novel <laughs> 10,000 Saints, which was made into a movie with Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke just basically does adaptations now, I yeah. guess. You know, like Good Lord Bird, mm -hmm. The Black Phone, you know, 10,000 Saints. And this is actually a memoir about her 20-year marriage uh, detailing her life and her life with her husband who has a chronic illness. The Plant Hunter, A Scientist's Quest for Nature's Next Medicines by Cassandra Leah Quave, which I talked about on the October 19th show, which is about her life, but also her interest in plants and sort of her drive to get back to exploring more of nature and what nature can do for us, like how we've kind of gotten away from from the natural world and into the synthetic world and how, you know, for thousands of years, plants were the answer to a lot of things and how we need to get back to that. It's really fascinating. Also, Lupe Wong Won't Dance by Donna Barbara Higuera, which is a middle grade novel that won 11 million yep. awards last year, give or take, about a young girl who wants to be the first woman major league pitcher in baseball and just so good. And so that's what I have for paperbacks. Pretty exciting. That was a lot of them. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's a lot of stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Like, as I go along in my day and I see, like, the emails that say, like, this is coming out in paperback now. This is coming. You know, I get, like, two or three and then I go into the catalogs and I'm like, there's, like, there's a million <laughs> that I could mention, you know, but uh, I'm not going to. So. All right. So those are books. Books, 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 books. books. What are you going to read next? I'm going to read a book that I actually tried to read for the show, but I was dealing with an injury and was all muscle relaxant. And I was starting, this book is very violent. <laughs> I was starting to, to make it more violent in my head. And I was like, I need a minute. <laughs> so it's called Not Good for Maidens by Tori Bovolino. It's 
uh, actually a retelling, I believe, of, uh, oh my gosh, I cannot remember the name of it, but it's about being lost in a goblin forest. It's like a young woman who returns from Boston to uh, North England because her best friend, who's also her mom's younger half-sister, I believe, so she's technically her aunt, disappears, and it's because she's been dragged off into a goblin forest, and so she, it's told in like alternating storylines between her trying mm-hmm. to go and find her aunt, and then also the story of like how her own mother, or other aunt, I believe, disappeared 18 years prior, and it is body horror and just... Again, I need to go back and read it from the beginning to have a better, clearer idea, but it sounds like a ride, and I need to go back and and actually get into it. So that's what I'm reading. Awesome. How about you? I'm going to finish the Linda Holmes book, Flying Solo, because I need to know what happened to the duck. Yes. And then I'm going to pick up Legends and Lattes, a novel of high fantasy and low stakes by Travis Baldry. Uh, This is a book that Book Talk made very popular it was put out by a small press, or maybe only put out as an ebook. I I can't remember. Mm. Um, I think it was put out in paperback, but it's not available anymore because it like sold out everywhere. And you know, so now they're reissuing it with a larger publisher mm. in November. And I'm very curious because it's about an orc barbarian who uh, retires from, <laughs> from being a warrior and decides to open a coffee shop, as so one does. It's it just sounds really charming and amazing. I have yet to to dip my toes in the book talk water. You know, I, I like I feel like I ingest so much every day already. Yep. And like, I don't know if I can handle videos and keeping up with that. Um, so I'm I'll be doing, you know, work and I'll be like, why is this five year old book? I like, got the top of yep. the New York Times bestseller. That's why the answer is always book talk. Sure. So it's pretty interesting. It's fun to keep up with. But I don't know that I'll ever um, have an account myself. I don't know. But yeah, I just lurk. it's a good time but i just lurk (laughs) so that is it for us today thank you to our sponsors thank you to our awesome audio editor jen zinc you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com you can find us online vanessa and i hang out on instagram vanessa is buenos dias sd i am friends and comes alive and you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review, and that will help other book lovers to find us, and we will appreciate it so, so much. And thank you to everyone who has done that. And a reminder that we are hiring a digital marketing manager, so check out the position at bookriot.com slash join dash us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, I need to find out what happened to the duck. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy reading.